Welcome, everyone, to our Every Other Thursday podcast, where we cover the wide world of food service and hospitality. Our hosts cover both the relevant news of the moment and we invite key industry experts in for conversations that are informative, enlightening, and entertaining. Every Other Thursday is an approximately 40 to 50 minute conversation presented bi weekly by Tabletop Journal. Now, here's your host of Every Other Thursday, Dave Turner. Hey, everybody. I want to welcome you back to Every Other Thursday, our Every Other Thursday podcast. This is episode number 43 of Every Other Thursday, and I'm Dave Turner, and this is being recorded on the week of May 12th, 2022. As I said, I'm Dave, and I'm your host here at Every Other Thursday, but I'm always accompanied here by my colleagues, Jay Alley and Greg Kirish. Gentlemen, how are you doing today? Excellent. Great. We finally went from winter to summer here in Chicago. Awesome. Was it a good day? <laughs> it's uh, it's, it's amazing. Going it, back to winter tomorrow, though. It didn't. It didn't. It was snowing here not too long ago, and it's supposed to be like ninety-three degrees here today. So <laughs> it's 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 an amazing place. Uh, well, speaking of weather, everybody yeah. is going to be hearing this before, just before they pack, they're packing their bags and planning their wardrobes for the NRA show that's coming up. What's the weather going to be like in Chicago when we get there? It's always great for an NRA show. Yeah, it's, good. it's supposed to be good. Yeah. It's always great. Jeez, I remember a couple of times it rained. I remember yeah. a couple of times it was nice. I remember a couple of times. But it's always great, no matter well, what the weather is, well, right? I got to tell you, when I was uh, working there, what we always wanted was cool, slightly rainy weather because that kept people in the hall. Otherwise, because Chicago is a great place, oh, yeah. lost, if the weather awesome. was great, we lost people. Yeah. yeah, everybody that doesn't have good attendance at a show, it's either the weather's too bad or the weather's too good. I can't figure out what it is. Yeah, it's going to be nice. You know, I think it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Hey, but guess what? There's lots of great people going to be at McCormick and lots of great brands. And that makes me very, very excited about our guest today, because speaking of great people and great brands, we've got Larry Deutsch joining us today. You guys remember Larry when he was on here before, and I'm sure our listeners do. There's, there's, there's probably nobody that can speak to brands better than Larry. Yeah, he is a brand expert like no other, and he's uh, got a great storyteller. I love the stories that, that he tells and how he tells them. Larry, of course, is the CEO and co-founder of DBK Marketing. I love it. He talked about branding when he was on here before, and uh, I wait, can't wait to hear what his thoughts are again, and also what his thoughts are on the NRA show itself and what he'll be looking for. Let's get granular. Yep, let's get granular. But before we get started, as always, we needed to get the general business out of the way. And uh, like always, this week's episode of Every Other Thursday is brought to you by Tabletop Journal. The Tabletop Journal is where we celebrate the products, the people, and the places in the world of hospitality. So now, with all that out of the way, let's give a nice warm welcome to Larry Deutsch. And let's give a warm welcome to Larry Deutsch. Larry, of course, is the CEO and co-founder of DVK Marketing. Larry, welcome to Every Other Thursday. And before we get started, can you tell our listeners, because we have many new listeners, I'm sure, can you tell our listeners a little bit about who you are and who DVK Marketing is? Well, I am a career marketer. I uh, started my career actually in consulting in uh, food service and, and restaurant industry with Technomic, whom you all know very well. Foundational to my career on many levels from a strategy and business standpoint. 
And from there, client-side experience with uh, Kraft Foods and the Wrigley organization, new product development, new product innovation, and brand management. It was there I was managing integrated marketing and managing agencies and honestly found my love on the agency side, where I then spent the bulk of my career uh, leading us up to today with iconic agencies like Ogilvy and Wonderman, uh, Havas, et cetera. And having an entrepreneurial gene in my family and my DNA, always toyed with the notion of one day launching my own firm. And in August of 2019, launched DVK Marketing with my two partners, Doug Van Andel and Adam Kaplan. And and here we are today. And honestly, uh, having lots of fun, working with great people and making marketing happen and real and driving business outcomes for our, for our great partners. We're going to talk about branding today, one of my favorite topics. Greg's got a couple of quick questions, I think, to start it off with, but uh, I, I, I want to I hear and learn. And I'm a kind of a street guy, Larry, as you know already. I'm kind of simple. So can, if you can keep, it, keep all this highbrow language into uh, stuff that translates to the street, that would be great for people like me. We've got a lot of new listeners, and I'm sure they're going to learn a lot. So, so I guess for, with with that, let's jump in and, and for people like Dave, let, let's start at the very, very beginning. What is branding? What is a brand? Yep, and I appreciate the desire to keep it simple. That's something we really pride ourselves on. There is a lot of jargon in our industry, and it can really confuse. So, something we take a lot of pride in is demystifying it and really being very clear about what it is. And you know, a brand is quite simply the characteristics and identity that are associated with a product. It could be a person. It could be a place. Something I like to talk about, and you know, this is I, and I'm trying to make this as relevant as possible to the uh, the restaurant and hospitality industry. You know, chefs are brands, right? Restaurants are brands. Suppliers are brands. So when we think when we talk about brand, let's kind of keep that front of mind. You know, in terms of what a brand is, what we often like to say is. You know, your logo is not your brand, right? That's just one piece of it. And perhaps the simplest way to think about it is, is what's the association that a consumer or a constituent, including your employees or other partners in your in your business, have around, you know, what's, what's in their mind when they think about your brand? Walter Landor, a famous icon in our industry, put it really well. He said, you know, products are made in factories, but brands are created in the mind. And when you think about that, and we'll get into this, but it's 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 the emotional connection that I'm particularly excited to talk about today as it relates to your audience that you have with a brand and and what is that connection that your constituents have emotionally, not just functionally. So have you found like at, a, at restaurants, you know, obviously there's chain restaurants and large organizations that that focus probably more on that type of thing. But like on a like on an independent restaurant, do people think in terms of brands? It sounds like they should. But do, do you find that people think think that way or are they they're doing it, but they don't realize that it's, quote unquote, branding? I think it's all the above. And, and, and again, something I, I actually teach a course on this here in Chicago with the uh, Good Food Accelerator and dealing with new and emerging concepts. Something I really like to stress is it's not just for the big guys. You know, it's size doesn't matter. I'm particularly fascinated when I see entrepreneurial organizations do it. And I'll use examples, you know, near and dear to our hearts here. But for example, here in Chicago, there's a number of just new restaurants that I'm 
I've been touting lately. One of them is if you're familiar with the uh, Metal Arc Hospitality Group, they've opened up a couple of new concepts, one of them being Lardon, which is an old world butcher shop style concept, which is just you know, everything from the store design and interior to the people who greet you to yes, the food, they absolutely are owning their brand and really delivering on that experience. So to your question, Greg, I think that to me looks like a very intentional, very thoughtful approach by those folks. But you, yes, there maybe are some who are doing it seat of pants, doing the best they can. But something I would stress to this audience is it's not just an academic exercise. It's not just academic gibberish. It really is something that all of us can act on to differentiate the restaurant, their business, and their people. So how does it work? And now I'm envisioning that a restaurateur, you know, comes up with a definition, what their brand is, maybe a sentence, or you tell me, a paragraph, a book, and then everything they do leads to that i mean i'm trying i'm trying to find the right words help me out sure yeah well something that is really powerful in the business and something that again we really subscribe to and i will give all the credit to a gentleman named simon sinek who is known for the golden circle and and at the center of that circle is your why right and when you lead with your why that is the most powerful way to market yourself what happens all too often in marketing, right? People lead with their what or their how, right? What are they selling or what are they providing and how do they do it? But when you start with your why, like I'm seeing the folks at Lardon do, or Chef Jose Andres is one that I really, you know, just to put a, you know, another icon out there, you know, that gentleman is all about the why in terms of what he does that defines his brand as well as, you know, his concepts. So that is the uh, start point of your story. And when we talk about brands and we think about the stories to be told, it's not just the story that you want to tell about yourself. You know, you don't want to be beating your chest. What's the story people are going to tell about you, right? Because what we all want is advocacy, right? We want our customers, our patrons to love us so much that they can tell others about us and promote us. And that's, you know, word of mouth is still the single most powerful form of marketing one can achieve. So, so when you say, you know, the why, help me out. So what could possibly, maybe like with your examples, Lardon or Jose Andres, what would be their why? Yeah, obviously you're not working for them, but what could be a possible why for them? Yeah, I think, and I will try to infer, I certainly am not here to speak yeah. for them. I just admire, you know, and I'm constantly sure. observing in and out of category and that that'll, uh, you know, certainly be on display at, uh, at NRA in a couple of weeks. But I think in the case of Lardon, really delivering that old world feel in the heart of Logan Square in a way that was very authentic and very genuine. And I think that's something that we can't stress enough is that uh, this is something that marketing and branding isn't to make up for something that doesn't exist. It's really to promote and advocate what is truly at the core of, of that brand. So I think that old world charcuterie, butcher shop style approach is is what I, I think is behind their why. And in the case of Chef Chef Andre, nourishing communities and strengthening economies in times of crisis, that is like a, at the other end of the continuum, right? That is his why and what fuels him. And again, I don't, I've only met the man in passing. I, I'm not here to speak for him, but I'll use one outside a category that I think we can all relate to, right? One of the, one of the single most powerful campaigns ever to this day, among many that I could cite, but Nike's just do it right? 
Nike didn't tell you about their shoes. They didn't tell you about their construction. They didn't tell you about their features, their attributes. They tapped into an insight that no matter what your form of athletic endeavor is, whether you're walking a mall as a senior citizen or you're running your first 5K or you're a marathon runner or you're trying to emulate Michael Jordan, just do it, right? Their why was all about the participation in athletics and in sport and not necessarily whether you win or lose, but just to do it. And then if you look at how that brand has lived on, even through their stance around Colin Kaepernick, you know, they have lived their why in everything they do over over time. It's been timeless and refreshed. They haven't wavered from that. How about the fast food chains like Arby's? We got the meats. Says it all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what? That's a really great example, Jay. And I think it just demonstrates, you know, regardless of size or scale, you know, to lean into that part of their brand and to have that voice. There is a distinct voice that we could all hear, just as you said it, Jay. I think we could all hear that commercial. And and it doesn't have to be paid advertising for you to kind of infer again that position in the mind that Arby's has achieved through owning that, leaning into it, being very clear on who their target is, very clear on who their, what their brand stands for. You know, they're not Larda, you know, and Larda isn't Arby's, right? So it's being very true, very authentic, being very genuine. That's like in the, in the fast food business. I don't think anybody knows what McDonald's all about anymore. Larry, I have a question. Since I've been with Tabletop Journal, I get a, I get a chance to go and visit and peek under the hood of, of a variety of companies in, in the particularly the tabletop segment. And there's some really great ones there. But there's also some companies that, quite frankly, they whether you walk in the lobby and you see the core values or a mission statement, and, and I know that's not maybe the brand identity piece per se, but that's part, part of it too. But when you ask the employee, even anywhere from the CEO on down, they can't cite the core values that they have written on the wall in their lobby. Where I'm going with this is, I wonder if we start out with this idea of who we think we want to be as a brand and we get lost along the way. Does that happen a lot? It does, Dave. And you hit on, I think the operative word in your statement is values. You know, that part of the branding discussion are leading with your values. What do you, what do you stand for? What's your purpose? And it's your values, not your value. Right. And that's what happens maybe when marketing isn't fully realized, when branding isn't fully realized, it promotes on its value. It promotes on attributes and functional benefits as opposed to a higher order emotional benefit. And to your point, the reason that happens all too often, it's unfortunately silos exist within organizations. And those value statements, those mission statements that you see in corporate lobbies or annual reports are written maybe by the marketing communication side of the organization, the corporate side, right? With an eye on internal communications to employees. But meanwhile, marketing is more focused externally on consumers and, and other constituents and can be telling a different story. When those two aren't connected, you know, that's where they miss out. When they are, and it's it's palpable across all points of touch and all all constituents. It's really powerful. And again, you don't have to have a million dollar ad budget to execute that way and 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 differentiate your brand that way in the marketplace. So for you, for us, we, you know, our our DNA is in a tabletop. I can see that a 
you know, that every decision made at the tabletop should be, I guess every decision made, period, whether it's tabletop or not, should be, does this, you know, support or feed into our brand? Uh, am I, is that too microscopic or? No, no, but I think, you know, the empathy I have for those brands is let's, you know, use the concept of brand story. If you think of brand story as a narrative and you think about the power of stories, right? Drama, comedy, romance, crime, you know, whatever it is, right? What is, what are our favorite binge-worthy shows and why is that, right? There's a powerful story being told, right? And, and an emotion being tapped into. So in the case of Tabletop, this may this may be too simplistic a differentiation, but try this on for size. They're like set pieces in that show, right? They are part. They are ingredients to somebody else's experience, right? That fine wine glass that Jay and his firm, you know, sell, are are a set piece and contribute to a wonderful evening that is a larger story to be told. So I, I would say it would be incumbent on those suppliers and manufacturers to put themselves in that conversation put and show how they add to that story, add to that experience, as opposed to here's the quality of my product and here are the attributes. So not everybody gets to be the, the lead in this show, right? They might, you know, there's always a key grip or there's somebody behind the scenes. So when we think about tabletop or other affiliated products and services, including back of house, how do you fit into that larger story that your your operator is trying to tell and you can contribute to that with with all of your not just quality and, and attributes but with your empathy and understanding of what they're trying to deliver what's the story they're trying to tell jay have you found that to be the case and all you know with the past or currently or more than you know where's that all going i think what you're talking about is a lot of people talk the talk but they don't walk the walk and i mean if, if you got the wrong culture in the company and nobody believes in the mission statement and you know, it's, I don't know how many companies are true to it, you know, got a true north, but to me, it, it, and I don't want to be cynical, but Larry would know better, but it, it, everybody says that they're the greatest and the percentage of them that really are is pretty small. Yeah, well, I want to find the company that says we're not customer centric. <laughs> <laughs> we have yeah. customers. Yeah, well, you know, that's where, well, you know, it's interesting, right? Do you remember when Domino's really raised their hand and admitted they weren't delivering and that they were underperforming on quality and they really turned their act around, right? Starting with product quality, but then it manifested in all sorts of other innovation. So there was a time that, you know, Domino's was a piece of cardboard with tomato sauce. You, they were like bottom of the barrel, bottom of the rung in the, in the pizza category. So there is something to be said for an organization being self-aware. Jay said it right, you know, walking the, walking the, the talk and really living that and being authentic and transparent as much internally as externally and because consumers aren't stupid right there's an there's a wonderful adage right that you can always the best way to kill a bad product is with great advertising right because you could always get somebody to try something once but the minute somebody tries that product or that restaurant and the service doesn't deliver or the food is you know cold or whatever it is you lose them so you're right people maybe don't say they're you know that they're not consumer centric but you know what you can see it a mile away when somebody really is or when they aren't yeah i think it's um, the authenticity piece uh, you can't hide that for very long who you are really you can say you're all kinds of things you can put it on the walls and as you said in the annual reports but ultimately your employees know who you are 
as a company. They know what kind of company you are, and they know you know all, all the BS that's on the walls that they they read in the lunchroom and whatever. But you're not only do your employees know, your customers certainly know. Absolutely, and and you know the reason I think this is so poignant to your audience, and again, I. I believe this is universal to no matter what side of the table anybody sits on here, but I'm putting myself in the shoes of suppliers, right? If you're responsive to your customer, if you're empathetic to your customer's needs, if you truly have a service-oriented approach and you are really fixated or focused on what's in their best business interests, it shines through. And I'm sure that, you know, Jay's customers see that in him and see the genuine concern and, and compassion and commitment. And, and it's obvious when it's not. And I think what's the universal truth in, in this audience is this is such a people-driven industry. And your people are your brand, you know, whether you're a restaurant or you're a supplier, you know, whether you're in a B2B or a B2C mode, it's, it, this business is driven by people. And then maybe what really puts a larger marketing halo over it is it's theater, Right. It's there is there is an experience to be had here and a day or a night to be remembered that you will remember positively and come back and advocate or you won't. Again, whether it's in a B2B or B2C context, people are going to say, you know, not so much and not all that they promised. And I think the good news, the good news is for uh, brands that really deliver on their on their brand promise is there's so many opportunities because there are so many brands who don't deliver, and we all know when you when you're being you're being lied to or misled in terms of the brand promise, whether it be service or the quality of the product itself. The good news here is, if for those companies that are authentic and really do deliver, that's a huge upside opportunity for them. I had a, had an experience just today on something that you just shake your head and go, I don't know where this guy came from, but. On the West Coast, there's a, a gentleman out there who's well known as a, a dynamic tabletop guy, and not a young guy, an older guy, and was selling a brand. And then all of a sudden, he went away from the brand, and the company was concerned. Uh, he works for a rep group, and the company was concerned. Well, why isn't this person who is so dynamic selling more of our products? I mean, it, he he was a big part of the equation. So the guy that owns the company is a friend of mine, and I had heard the story, so I asked the question. I said, "What what's what's driving this guy away?" I mean. You have stole, so you know all about that product. You haven't to sell the product. But what happened was he installed a bunch of stuff, a bunch of dinnerware into a pretty good-sized organization, and it was a, a new launch of product. And all of a sudden, the, the, the stuff started chipping like crazy to the point where it was pretty serious. So they called one of the regional managers for the company and said, look, th- th- this is what's going on. We got an issue. The regional manager's response was, without even knowing what he was talking about, it has to be the way they're handling it. Oh, really? How do you know that? The answer should have been, get some samples. If I'm close enough, I'll, let me come out and take a look. It could very well be handling, because we get that all the time. I mean, a classic example. So they lost the guy, and they're trying to get him back, and it'll be interesting to see what happens. But we go through it all the time with glassware. You know, I'll get a call. Somebody says, hey, Jay, we've had your event classes forever. They, they hard, We hardly ever break them. And lately we found four or five of them broken in the dishwasher. I know exactly why they broke. So it's four or five glasses. So I'll send them a dozen glasses and say, look, change these. You know, we're always improving the product. So <laughs> you send it out and they call back. Oh, these new glasses are fantastic. They're from the same run. <laughs> we can check the numbers in the boxes. <laughs> so for, for for half a dozen glasses or 24 pieces to replace them, you're going to argue with the guy and lose them. It's some people just don't get right. it. Yeah. 
Well, you know, Jake, point, as you know, it's, it's, I think we've all seen, it's like, how do you handle a bad hair day, right? When a business or a restaurant, you know, how, we've all had an experience, right? Where um, maybe the restaurant wasn't getting the food out fast enough, or maybe they underdelivered or disappointed and they make it up to you, right? They say, we're so sorry, you know, desserts on us, or we want to pick up the tab, you know, and you don't have to comp me, but how do people handle those challenges you know, we're human, right? This is a human endeavor in professional services like ours, in, in like yours. I think most respectful constituents, audiences, customers will appreciate when somebody says, you know what? Yeah, let us look into that. We we drop the ball uh, and we're going to make good. And because we've earned, and I think here's something, a word we haven't talked about yet when it comes to brands, trust. You know, it's about trust. We're here, everybody, with Larry Deutsch from DVK Marketing, and he's the CEO and co-founder. And we've been talking branding here, and it's going. It's uh, it's a really interesting topic, and I and I think our group could go for hours on this. But we're going to take a break right now. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about storytelling, and maybe uh, we're coming. We got the NRA show coming up. I'd love to. Larry, get your take on the brands that you're going to be looking at, looking for at the NRA show. And what kind of brand stories will uh, will we will we all expect to see there? We'll be right back in just a minute with Larry Deutsch. This episode of Every Other Thursday is brought to you by TabletopJournal.com. For more than nine years now, Tabletop Journal has been covering the food service and hospitality industry, all the while raising the awareness of just how important Tabletop is to the overall guest dining experience. If you haven't signed up for Tabletop Journal's bi-monthly newsletter, it's simple and easy. And it's free. Simply go to tabletopjournalnewsletter.com. Now, back to our podcast. And welcome back, everybody. We're here today with Larry Deutsch from DVK Marketing. And we're talking branding. And Larry, we mentioned earlier when we got started that the NRA show is coming up. When a guy like you, who's an expert in brands and an expert in storytelling, when you go to a, a show like the NRA show, it's our industry's largest. Is that like the Super Bowl for you? I mean, so many brands, so many people. Yeah, certainly. I mean, in this industry, of course, it definitely is. And, you know, other industries, whether it's CES in uh, consumer electronics and technology or uh, FMI in more packaged goods marketing. So, yes, it's definitely uh, the, um, the Mount Rushmore. Of, of industry trade shows. How do you differentiate when you walk up and down the aisles? What do you look for in a, in a brand story? Let's, let's leave it at, at that vague term, brand story. What do you, what's a sure. guy like you look for? Well, I think it gets back to what we talked about earlier is are they leading with their why? You know, is there some larger purpose that they're speaking to or are they leading from a functional standpoint and telling me about the what and the how? It's really that simple, right? And let's face it, trade shows are kind of a wash in the what and the how. So those who really lead with the why, lead with their purpose and have a, a larger agenda do stand out, you know, and it doesn't have to do with their booth design. Of course, you see some of that, but it's more of that, you know, how are they presenting themselves to the marketplace? And then because of the people orientation, how are their people really telling the story and are they telling it from in an authentic way or are they coming across scripted or a little too salesy, right? So I'm being empathetic to what they're there to do, but as a marketer, these are things that I look for at a start point. Hmm. One of the things that's interesting for me is companies that will profess 
to have the greatest new designs because where everybody always says, what's new what's the new design and then yet you 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 see people who are let's just be gentle with this but people who represent the company but are they they have no touch they're not in touch with the designs themselves and maybe uh Maybe they're not great brand ambassadors. And uh, rather than salespeople, I, I think from my point of view, I'm always telling companies to think of the sales organization you have, everything down to the business cards, as an ambassador for that brand. It's just the, the people themselves in the booths that you'll walk, you'll walk by and see them. They may have great designs on the products, but people either are sitting down and not very energetic and not very inviting to come in and see the product itself. Yeah, there's a, unfortunately a lot of that. And let's face it, it's, um, you know, those trade shows can be a bit of a long haul for folks. So it's tough to be on, right, and and engaged. But you know what? That's that's the distinction between a brand or an organization that really understands that, you know, every touch point matters. You never know who's, you know, I could be walking up, I could be a media member, right, who's looking to write a story or is going to pass on a story. Or I could be a customer. I might be launching a new uh, boutique operation or I might have some significant purchasing power. So you just never know. But that gets back to being authentic, that you treat everybody with respect and with warmth about what your brand's about. And you go from there. And it's, it's, you know, some people skills to be, uh, you know, considered here, of course, but you're getting at a real focal point for branding, especially in this space is these people are the, are there to be ambassadors, to be evangelists, not shills, right. But really evangelize the brand and speak to it with purpose and, and conviction. And, and, and to your point, not just be braggadocious, you know, that everything's great or we're the best. Just be real, be very genuine about what you are and what you're not. Yeah, I wonder as, we, as we've come through the COVID experience, how brands are going to look now. How, I mean, and not, we know the logo, we know what the booth will look like, maybe in our mind, but, but what is that experience that you have having come through that? Will the people be there that you saw pre-COVID in these, some of these companies? Yeah. Well, you know, I think it's going to be a very interesting year. We were talking right before we started. It's been two years and it's two years that feels like 20, right, to this industry in particular. And you've got a number of converging forces, right? Post-pandemic, but yet it's still here. It's not, it hasn't gone away. Meanwhile, inflation and all the economic barriers that we're facing in this industry, again, in particular, you've got a larger macro world dynamic, you know, that we witness every day. And while it may not hit, you know, Chicago as much as it hits overseas, you can't help but ignore it. Don't forget supply chain, all the supply chain fun we're having. Thank you. Absolutely. So with all these stressors on the system, right, I think that's going to be somewhat, I don't think it'll be counterbalanced, but I think the joy of people being back together, and I've seen some of the NRA pre-publicity, and I think, and I've seen this at other shows and other venues that I've been at, there is a genuine joy of being back together face-to-face as opposed to on screen. So it's going to be a very interesting shift. I don't think it's going to be a 180-degree shift, but I think it'll be very interesting to kind of see all that humanity and all those factors kind of weighing on or or influencing how people experience the show this year. Yeah, I, I just think that whole sociology piece is uh, going to be uh, fascinating to watch. I agree. Any particular categories you're excited to take a peek at? 
Well, you know, I, I kind of geek out on technology and innovation for starters. I mean, if, you know, I mean, the food goes without saying and the chef demonstrations are always wonderful theater. And I was looking at the roster of chefs and I think a continued recognition by every industry for diversity and inclusion. And I'm, I'm seeing that. So I, I certainly it's for me, it's kind of like the um, high tech and high touch, right? The high touch of those of the personalities of the of the thought leaders of the the new and emerging, seeing them on display and getting their visibility and the theater and drama that comes with that, you know, so it's more than just a trade show. But then you've got the technology. And I think what's an interesting perhaps consideration this year because of the impact on the uh, employee base, the talent base in the industry, how people are, you know, using technology to either enhance the employee experience or capabilities, or perhaps other places where it, it offsets or, you know, adjusts for what is a challenged labor pool, right? That is a, a topic for a, a whole nother day. It's going to be interesting to see. And, and uh, I, I agree with you. Some of the pre-show publicity has spoken to that getting back together and all that. We'll see how that rolls out in a, in a place like McCormick. But I, I, I know this industry pretty well, like you guys do, too. We're all going to be uh, just excited to see our colleagues and people we know in and, and large crowds and people we haven't seen for a while. Although, if you haven't, if you haven't been traveling, it's, it's hard to realize how to pack for a trade show now. So we all got to relearn those kinds of things. Larry, beyond uh, you know the NRA show, you seem to be working with a couple of organizations, at least in the Chicago area, right? With food service, or am I wrong? Well, yeah, and you know, nationwide, our our business is oh, okay. in and and as and as well as global. To be honest, we're uh, bringing on a, a new organization outside of food service, a European-based brand with a North American presence that we're honored to be partnering with and doing much of what we've been talking about here today, which is what's their brand story, how are we going to tell it, how are we going to differentiate. What's kind of similar to this industry is uh, it's a it's an organization that is very much uh, local market dealer driven. So you know how do you how do you manage your brand experience when you're at the mercy of a fragmented dealer organization? But to the point of uh, organizations, there's so many really rich communities, and Chicago is is kind of a wash in those. And and one in particular, I'm really honored to be part of is uh, Chicagoland Food and Beverage Network. It's a really diverse community that spans manufacturers, distributors, ingredient suppliers, retailers, and of course, manufacturers. And its presence in the restaurant and food service industry is growing. We've been having discussions about that. And uh, in fact, we'll be hosting an event on the Sunday, the 22nd in the West Loop area uh, in conjunction with the NRA show. So just an example of, I think, the fabulous talent and pockets that reside nationwide but also here in Chicago, given our uh, our marketing, food, you know, restaurants, sweet spot. Is that who you're teaching through? That is one of them, as well as the Good Food Accelerator and a group called Family Farmed. They have a, a program that teaches new and emerging food and beverage companies everything they need to know from product marketing to brand marketing, media, supplier management, even right down to finance and accounting. So these are people who are um, founder-led non-marketers often, but people who are very much have a passion. In fact, one of our clients came out of that, a chocolate company here in suburban Chicago that is all about delivering happiness through the power of chocolate and the power of confections and they're aptly named Happy by Chocolate. It's exciting to be introduced and bring make to where we started this conversation, demystifying marketing, 
making it accessible and actionable for the smallest to the biggest. So maybe as a wrap up, you know, here you are teaching people that are coming in about this brand, this brand concept of branding. Do people get it? You know, or how how hard is it to convey? How hard is it to convey? But beyond a podcast, yeah. Well, I I was going to say I like I'll ask you because you know now uh, you know some forty minutes later I hope you get it. If not, I, I I failed you. But no, they do, they do, and I think because we did demystify it and we take out the jargon and we make it very relatable. And I think that when people are coachable. And they are willing to truly be customer centric and and really put themselves in the shoes of their constituents and what does their brand mean to them, then they get it. If they don't and they just want to beat their chest about how great their product is, then they miss the mark. But in short, yes, Greg, they do get it. Yeah, I think the the, the marketing and the branding, the brand storytelling stuff, that all sounds great sometimes, I'm told, in the conference room, the boardroom, whatever. But when uh, when you everybody gets up from the table and says, oh, this is going to be a great campaign, and we're, then you walk out, and the next thing you know is, where are the big orders? We, we, we got to sell stuff. And I had uh, a conversation not long ago with somebody who said, you know what, all this is good. But we need orders. And I get that, too. That's that's the real pragmatic part. And I think that there are, and I don't want to speak for the tabletop category, but I think that there are a lot of uh, companies now that are, I don't know if it's fragile is the right word, but they're in a, they're in a strange place coming out of uh, COVID with supply chain issues and stuff like that. And so when you, when you talk to them about their branding and their messaging and their storytelling, that's all nice, but there's really a lot. You, you sense it. Our industry, in a lot of ways, is under a lot of pressure. You've got landlords now coming down on operators in ways that because they can't put up with uh, non-payment of rents. So our, our industry is still a long way from being back, I think. Well, and I'm so glad you brought that up, Dave, because I think we would be remiss. And I'm actually sorry I didn't say this sooner. You know, the reason branding is important is branding is is a business driver. Marketing is a business and growth driver. It is not just some shiny image that we put to make people feel happy or proud. It is, you know, brands are worth paying more for, right? And whether it's McDonald's or Arby's or, you know, Nike, that when people believe in a brand and they're they're willing to pay for it as opposed to a commodity, right? So the object of the exercise is to drive growth. And one quick example to, you know, with an eye on retail and one client of ours in particular who needed to win, needs to win every day with Walmart and Walgreens and CVS and Kroger and the like, marketing has, we can point to marketing as a a driver of of over 20% sales growth, which is, you know, double digits ahead of the category. And it isn't just an ad, it's all marketing from product development to the yes, the campaign, working together and putting the consumer in the center of all of it. So I think we would all be remiss, again, whether you're a B2B or B2C brand, no matter where you're at in this industry, in this this community, make no mistake, if, if you want to grow and you want to differentiate yourself in the marketplace, marketing will do that for you, not by itself. Again, if you have a bad product or bad service or people who aren't you know, following through, then marketing won't make up for that. But when this is all working together, growth follows and it means good business. 
Yeah, I've always thought of sales as pushing products into the marketplace and marketing as pulling products in. You need both and they both go, uh, they're both really, really critical and you can do marketing. You don't have to break the bank on a marketing campaign, but being authentic, being who you really say you are. And to me, marketing and, and the brand values, they all come from within the organization. You can't put them onto a company. They have to be the characteristics and the traits and the DNA that's already there. Yep. I'm so glad, again, you brought that up. It's something that we're really proud of in the work we do is, you know, what we call marketing and sales alignment, right? It's marketing and sales working together. So when you talk about branding, when you talk about brand story, this isn't just for consumer facing, it is for customer facing, right? And to differentiate that brand when they do go, whether they're going through channels like the Walmarts of the world or through suppliers. and when organizations have a uh, collaborative relationship between sales and marketing, it's powerful. When it's contentious and the sales leader thinks it's that marketing is just a bunch of BS and the marketer thinks that the salesperson doesn't really get it, then those organizations struggle or quite honestly, they throw good money after bad. So the, when we talk about marketing, it isn't just as a, a functional silo. It is an organizational-wide alignment so that the entire organization is going to market in a cohesive way. And your all your constituents, from your people internally to your customers externally to even the media or even the financial community, they know and they can see it. And that's that's marketing in its truest and its purest form. I'm glad you just said financial because I, I think when I see a finance person, a, C, a CFO or controller or whatever in a, in a trade show booth talking to customers, that changes my impression of that company, you know, in ways that you can't even imagine. And in a sense, because number one, there's so many good things that happen with that. Certainly, the the financial person gets a, gets an awareness of who these customers really are, what what makes them tick, so to speak. And secondly, they get to express and understand to the customer the brand point of view f- through that financial lens. Yeah, yeah, no, we do run out of inventory once in a while because we try to increase our turns and and so on and so forth. And yes, we do launch new products, but those cost money too. Yes. You know, there's been a lot written about the the role of the CMO, the chief marketing officer, and you know, the modern CMO. And and one of the chapters of that of that story is the need for the CMO to have a genuine working relationship with the CFO. Right, that the CFO understands that marketing is not an expense. You know, it is a it is a driver for the marketer to understand, of course, the financial implications. So again, so much of what we're talking about have an internal alignment and collaboration implication. And you're you're absolutely right to share the example that you know when a CFO is actually out there and experiencing the business firsthand, as opposed to you know in an ivory tower or behind a desk or behind a laptop looking at spreadsheets, it's it's mutual. It's both parties, both all leadership, really understanding how the business is going to be won and what does the company need to do to to succeed and, and sustain that growth. You know, not just be a one hit wonder. Yeah, I was in a situation one time when a company uh, uh, had, a re- had a relationship with them, and the CFO absolutely did not want to meet any customers because they were <laughs> fearful that one day they would have to give that customer some bad news, and right. they wouldn't be able to do it if they had actually met that person. 
So yeah. interesting, interesting way of seeing it. We're here again with Larry Deutsch from DBK Marketing, and we're talking a lot about branding and about the NRA show. I can't wait. I'm, uh, I'm with you gentlemen. I'm ready to go to Chicago uh, and see all our industry colleagues, and I think it's going to be a great show. I think a lot of interesting news. Uh, I'm expecting in our category of tabletop, I'm expecting a lot of new products and uh, a lot of news about different companies. Maybe it's alignments, maybe it's acquisitions. We'll see. But uh, I, I think there's, it's a great opportunity, a great platform, and I'm glad to be back at it. Greg, uh, how about you? Are you looking forward to walking up and down the aisles? You got some good shoes? Uh, you ready to go? Yeah, it's funny you just mentioned that because, you know, I, I worked for years at uh, putting on the NRA show. I was vice president of sales and marketing. And when I, and we would literally move our offices to McCormick Place and I would bring a suitcase of shoes and I would change my shoes like three or four times a day because I was, I was, I was walking like 15 miles a day in that hall from one end of the hall. I don't know what the floor plan is this year, but from one end of the hall to the other was over a half a mile. So it, it's a big, it's a big place. And I have, to answer your question, I have my walking shoes ready. I'm really looking forward to the uh, show and seeing what's going on. And, and you know, one thing I'd say, I'd like to put real quick is that the, one of the pushbacks I always got in my sales role was that people were going, do we need a show every year? How about an NRA show every other year? Well, we're going to see how that all works out. Yeah. And Jay, how about you? What are you going to be looking for at the NRA show? I haven't been this excited since I drank my first beer. I haven't been this excited since you drank your first beer. That was a while ago. I haven't been this excited since then, but I'm, I'm, I'm really excited. Now, nah, it's going to be good. I think the show's going to be better than people think. A couple of the small regional shows did really well from people that I talked to. The only one that I heard negative about was the, uh, the rental show, ARA show, American Rental Association. A couple of people, like a couple of factories that I know that went said it was the worst show they had ever been to. And it kind of makes That's pretty harsh. You can kind of understand it because with COVID, there's been no big events. So they're not running the big tents. So. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But no, I think, I think NRA is going to be a lot better than we think. And, and, and at the very least, I think the quality of the attendees will be better because it'd be a tougher question if someone said, if you had the opportunity to opt out, what would you do if it didn't have any effect? I'm, you know, probably a lot of people would say, I think I'll stay home. So I think the people that are going to go are going to be pretty serious people. So we'll, we'll have a lot of opportunities. I, I believe that. I think it's going to be good. Uh, a quick question for you guys, uh, you Chicago people, uh, you, Greg and you and Larry. Has McCormick been you know, performing well so far on, on other types of shows? They're putting on a good face, and I think it kind of still remains to be seen. You know, there, it's not going – it hasn't been up to 100% yet. And so this is kind of part of the whole, you know – So it's like possible to actually get a taxi in Chicago yeah. now? Or- <laughs> Or, or, or Uber. Or Uber. Yeah. Yeah. Greg, how much has the safety factor been, been talked about? It's an about? issue. Yeah, I mean, that's another kind of another podcast. But yeah, it's uh, I mean, I, Larry could talk about this also. I mean, it is it's an it's not it's not the same city that it was before, you know, three years, three years ago. Larry, they need your help. The city of Chicago needs your help. <laughs> You know, I've often said, you know, as a Chicagoan and a fanboy of our city, despite any of our challenges, I would I would market our city for for free. But there's some really wonderfully talented people who are are handling that. I would say there's buzz in the market. There's energy in general in the restaurant community. The activity is palpable. 
and nothing like some some nice summer weather to to add to that. I think you're going to have a great experience. I think McCormick Place always shows well and is staffed well. The continued cases of COVID, which I see personally, you know, uh, within family as well as uh, business associates, is still real. But they're minor cases, you know, knock on wood. But I think the industry is ready for it from everything I've seen. I think the city is ready for it. And for anybody who's coming in, Chicago is a, a great place to work, live, and play and and dine. So, uh, and if anybody wants any recommendations, I got some great recos. Best big city in the country, as far as I was concerned. I would. I would. It's always been my favorite place, but boy, I'll tell you. I mean, there, there hasn't been any uh, instances incidents down at McCormick. Not, has not there? that I've heard. Not that, yeah. I know, not that I've heard of. I think that what you're going to find is uh, post show is you're going to be sending tens of thousands of uh, attendees back to their wherever they came from, their, their home cities, raving about the hospitality in the city of Chicago. I hope so. Yep. Good. Larry, it's been great having you on again about branding. We would love to get you back uh, and get your thoughts after the show and, and continue the conversation. Thank you for your time. Thank today. you. Thanks, you're Dave. Guy. Thank you, Greg. Right, oh, no, never too busy for you guys. And uh, it's great to see you guys. And thanks for uh, having me back. Larry Deutsch, everyone from DBK Marketing. Thanks again. This episode of Every Other Thursday has been brought to you by TabletopJournal.com. For more than nine years, Tabletop Journal has been covering the global food service and hospitality industry, all the while raising the awareness of just how important Tabletop is to the overall guest dining experience. TabletopJournal.com, where we celebrate the products, the people, and the places, all in the world of hospitality tabletop. You can learn more about Every Other Thursday by visiting our website, everyotherthursdaypodcast.com. Thanks for joining us today for this episode of Every Other Thursday.